0: I think it's idolatry. Explain. The, the image of God is erroneous. They don't see him as being uh, a consuming fire. They mm-hmm. don't see him as the one that revealed himself to Moses and said, you can't stand in front of my goodness and live. My goodness would kill you. And that's why God put Moses in the cleft of the rock. God's goodness would kill him. It's like a heinous criminal has murdered a number of little girls, raped them, and, and then cut their throats. What sort of judge would be passive? A judge that stood the judge that had a guy like stand in front of him be furious and bring down his gavel with wrath. Right. And if he isn't angry, there's something wrong with that judge, he should be removed. And his wrath is evidence of his goodness. And God's wrath against sin is evidence of his goodness. And you and I as sinners couldn't stand in the very presence of the goodness and the holiness of God because it would spill over like grease lighting and kill us. Wow. When you get a revelation of God's character and nature, that produces the fear of God. And then you don't mock Hmm. the fact of judgment day; you tremble. Paul said, Wherefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We should be warning every man. That's why this dumb modern gospel is so stupid. You know, God has a wonderful plan for your life, God shaped vacuum, and He'll take away your problems. That's nothing to do with the Jesus that saves us from wrath.
1: Ah. Uh. I- <laughs> oh, easy got it. a charlie horse oh, in his in his neck doing it. Uh, uh, am i the only one on the planet that gets cramps in my like neck
2: it wasn't shoulder a cramp.
1: blade area
2: tell us what happened easy you stretched <laughs> was easy yawning. was stretching and he oh, pulled a I muscle in his shoulder
1: oh
0: but it's doing weird stuff stretching's a waste of time <laughs> I but I i've been trying it for is. years
1: i'll get i'll get it there and also get it in my face sometimes <laughs> really yeah i'll yawn and And it'll freeze. I seriously feel like I'm going to die. You, I'll I'll never be as old as you. (laughs) You never will, Oscar, (laughs) actually. You got to catch up. All right. So I was on an airplane recently with my beautiful, gorgeous, amazing wife, Rachel. I'll tell you what, life has changed since my wife's been able to travel with me more. Seriously, it's like a little piece of home with you. You know, it, it totally takes the edge off.
0: like taking a chair with you.
1: <laughs> so anyway, we we're flying to Colorado. I was going out there to speak at a, just a wonderful church. Mark, you've spoken there. And uh, Oscar, they want you out there. They don't want Ray. Because <laughs> <laughs> they know he won't go. Actually, they would love Ray, but he won't go. But uh, there was an advert that came on the PA system. And they were advertising a streaming service. And in that advertisement, they talked about how many songs are available for download, I guess, or streaming, I guess, streaming on that service. Can you guys guess how many songs? 11. 12. (laughs) Not that many, right? 12? Seriously, take a guess. 30 million. 70 million (laughs) songs. That's wild. It just cracked me up. Like, do you have to say that? Like, who's going to tap right. into 70 million songs? It's like, welcome to our restaurant. We have 4 billion meals for you to eat, you know? Oh, like Cheesecake Factory? <laughs> no, <laughs> Does, uh, <laughs> restaurant?
0: Doesn't that leave you in awe to think that there's that many different songs? That's wild?
1: exactly what I thought. And I thought this. As many songs as there are in the world, there is obviously a finite amount. In other words, of all the songs that have ever been sung, there is a... Definite number of how many have ever been sung. Isn't that crazy to think?
0: I can't figure
1: what you're talking ha, about. Happy, baby, baby. I just added one right there. Yeah,
3: I was actually, I traveled to this last week. I was on the East Coast and I brought with me uh, my ottoman because it's so nice to bring a piece of home with you. <laughs> <laughs> on the plane.
2: Yeah, on but, the
3: plane with me. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine someone brings a piece My of wife large. couldn't come, so I brought my Lazy Boy. Yeah, that works. <laughs> but yeah, guys, is it? So, Ray,
1: back in the day... Why do uh, I get them back in the day? Well, Okay, I know. I was thinking about your age, actually, this morning, right? Thank you. It's increasing. (laughs) Uh,
3: (laughs) What were the 1700s like? Yeah.
1: Well, I was thinking about cassette tapes in our day. Mm -hmm. Mark, Oscar, you want to remember your 12s? I I had them. Uh, Yeah, you had
3: cassettes, 100%.
1: Okay. But you guys remember, like, having to rewind to find your song and then (laughs) turning the cassette over for the songs on the other side? Do you remember what I used to
0: say? What? Um, when <laughs> in the middle of your service, you'd hear click, click, because they're recording your, your message, but they'd have to turn the tape over halfway through.
3: <laughs> so I would say
0: uh, um, side two as oh. they were doing that, and I'd wait for them so it didn't cut the message. What a crazy thought.
3: Wow. Yeah. I remember you'd want to like have, make a playlist, and so I, would, I had this Sony yellow boombox, and I would sit there and wait until the radio played the song I wanted next on my playlist. And as soon as it came up, I'd hit record, and I'd record that song, oh, wow. and then I'd stop it, and then I'd have to wait, like, days <laughs> for the next song that I wanted on. That's how you used to make playlists back oh, then. the Oh, uh, and if the tape got tangled up.
1: To pull it all out. And then you put it back in, but then whenever it would play, when it'd get to a certain part. Well,
0: you have to unscrew the whole cassette, pull it together, and, and uh, wind rewind it by rewind hand. Rewind it back in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but
1: seriously, this current generation of kids have no idea... What like? By the way, Ray, eight track. Did you guys rewind those? What, how would you do with those? A-tray. Eight track. Eight tracks.
3: Know. That was before my day. What no. about? <laughs> yeah, was it? You used to play eight tracks. What about going to the rental store, getting a oh, movie, yeah. and having to rewind it? So
1: listen to this. A friend of mine sent me this. These are uh, things that kids today would never know. Calling your friend's house and having to talk to their parents. <laughs> remember? I mean, there was one, you'd call the house phone. There was no good. cell phone. Missing an episode of your favorite TV show and not being able to see the episode until it became a rerun. Uh, having to rush back to the TV after the commercials had ended. You guys remember that? Running to the TV, trying to catch the show. Yeah. Yeah. Rewinding not, not, a VHS tape to rewatch a movie from the beginning. Not, trying to plan your own, your own route with a map. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead Ray. no and us. also better <laughs> <laughs>
0: not getting to answer the phone and not knowing who it is the whole of eternity
1: oh, yeah. you know oh, i remember like. when caller id first came out oh I, you think how well, do they know before it came out i thought no way it was like the cool new technology coming out i'm like yeah right how are you gonna know who's really calling you now it, it's weird it would be weird to not you know know who's calling you. i was
0: thinking this morning something that that's fallen by the wayside because of the internet is the circus what? We went the other day. You
1: did? Yeah. Seriously? It was what? great. What? Did you like it? We loved it. Wait, did it's you say circus. this circus circus the circuses have gone is hardly anywhere around? Yeah, it was here. Well, yeah, they were stopped they using uh, they stopped using elephants or something. My yeah. question is, no, is no, it's
0: not it's just the lack of elephants. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are you sure? Right?
0: Yeah, they couldn't remember them. Um, no, the people got bored with the circus because of the internet. You can, If you want to see someone swinging by their hair, you don't have to go and pay for it and watch them at the circus. <laughs> you just you go to YouTube and you can see 10 people
1: swinging by one person's hair.
3: Who needs you a know? circus when you can listen to Living Waters podcast? Yeah, yeah Oscar, <laughs> did you say Vargas?
1: Uh, circus Vargas. I think that's what it around? was called.
3: Yeah, we just went to it. Oh, Barnum
1: wow. and Bailey's the one that went out of
2: business. I thought yeah. elephants were banned... Here in California. Is that right? I'm pretty sure it's banned everywhere. Yeah.
1: I don't think they can have live animals.
3: Just the (laughs) one elephant.
2: (laughs) I went to one
1: about 15 years ago. I took the kids. And uh, you think, you know, you ever see these traveling, the small traveling circuses? Mm -hmm. With the tents. With the tents. How do those guys survive? Yeah. Skill. They do it. Good looks. looks. Probably food, sleep. Uh, All right. We have a comment. The bestest podcast. This is from cycling, chess, cubbing, king, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I think people are messing with you. I think so. Seriously. <laughs> they're just, uh, well, I, I, I always come to this podcast for encouragement, information, inspiration, or just a good laugh. Thank all y'all for this wonderful podcast. We know what region of the country mm-hmm. they're from. I'm a young man who's struggling right now, so please pray and also keep up the good work. couple questions for you guys. Who was the shortest person in the Bible?
0: Uh, Nehud the shoehide or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Ne-heim,
1: Ne-heim. Ne-heim, yeah, something like that. Uh, or maybe <laughs> it's Nicodemus. He was a ruler. Uh, how does Moses start he his morning? He was mourning? Irish. How does Moses start his morning?
0: Nicodemus was Irish. Why? Nicodemus.
1: <laughs> what?
0: Nick O'Demus.
1: Took me a minute. Um, Moses? Moses, yeah. Uh, how, how does he start his morning? Yeah. Oh. How? Hebrews coffee <laughs> good Same one i do thank you cycling chess clubbing chink chick-fil-a is there someone uh, named bob? If someone was named bob you'd miss up their name i I'm probably sure. would especially spelling it backwards mm-hmm. uh all right friends this episode of the the what living, living waters, waters podcast, podcast. <laughs> i was gonna say wait the master again <laughs> the living waters podcast is brought to you by Tough questions. You guys remember that? Mark and Ray, tough questions? Oh, yeah. We recorded it at that
3: really cool coffee
1: shop. Oscar, you remember.
3: I remember because it was at a coffee shop. Yeah, this is
1: a five-session DVD study. And if you want it digitally, you can get it to an MP4 format. Uh, And yeah, Mark, Ray, and myself, we answered... Or you can get really the audio cool cassette, questions. the
0: audio cassette too. Yeah, that's
1: right, get that. Uh, we answer questions like who made God, why is there suffering and evil, how can a loving God send people to hell, is a Bible filled with contradictions, why are Christians anti-science and much, much more. So yeah, check it out, it's uh, five sessions, uh, approximately 25 minutes each, you got three DVDs, all kinds of good stuff, study guide, all that. I
0: thought we had a new catchphrase for our podcast. That's at the end, right? Are you going to save it yeah. for the end? Oh,
1: this is a little teaser. Yeah, are you ready ends. for it? I'm ready. I'm is, ready it gonna be, is it going
0: to be a deep voice or what? It's going to be good.
1: I'll mm. surprise you. Hmm. All right, guys. Today, we are talking about the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. Yeah, these are some pretty heavy, uh, heavy, heavy things. Ray, I, w- I wanted to ask you this. Go ahead. Um, God... Well, I don't want to ask you, Ray. I want to make a, I want to make a statement. <laughs> when, we, when we look at scripture, we discover something that most people would never, ever want to uh, articulate or say, and that is that God is in reality very, very, very judgmental. And here's where we get that, Romans 2, 5 to 11. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds, eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, listen, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek for there is no partiality with God Ah, oh, I shudder as I read that
0: I shudder too and I often think of the verse it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance which is right sandwiched in the middle of wrath because often people write and say you don't use the law it's the goodness of God that brings you to repentance how do you don't... explain that right? I just say, oh, that, that that's a sandwich wrapped in wrath. Read it in context. Mm. When it says the goodness of God brings us to repentance, on well, each side of it is just the wrath of God, which is what we're to preach, because it leads us to, to the cross. We don't see a need of a Savior until we see we've sinned against God, and we desperately need His mercy.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I can imagine some believers who are part of more seeker-sensitive, progressive type of modern gospel churches who would be in utter shock to hear a verse or a passage like Romans 2, 5 to 11. You know, because really, if you guys think about it, I mean, you're a new believer, you become accustomed to the culture that you're in. You know, I remember one time a friend of mine, as I said, man, I can't believe God chose me. He goes, don't ever say that. I go, what, what do you mean? And he goes, no, that's prideful. Like, God chose you. You know, God doesn't choose people. And I'm like, huh, what? Because I was in, really. I was starting to read the Bible, and I was coming across things that says, yeah, God, you know, we're chosen, we're elect, we're, you know, so on and so forth. People obviously have perspectives on that within the, in the faith. But, but, again, it's what you're accustomed to. You've seen wonderful. the New
0: Seeker Sensitive Bible. It's got 11 verses.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, right? The pick and choose Bible. Uh Wait, who was it that that did that with the Bible? Um, Created their own version. Oh, Thomas Jefferson. Oh, well, Adolf right. Hitler! Did I was going to well. say
0: Hitler did. Yeah. He sold hundred thousand. I've heard you say that. Right? You Is really? that Really? Real? No, I was making it up. I'm a liar. I <laughs> that's don't have, what any, fe- I don't have that, any fear that's of why God. I was
1: gonna, we were going to see about removing <laughs> you from the ministry, actually, because you lie. Why'd you make that up about yeah, Hitler? Yeah,
0: he sold hundred thousand. He he had twelve commandments. Jesus became an Aryan and not Jewish. It's just a real twisted.
1: So he just changed things up,
0: and... Mm-hmm.
1: he was a nut. Yeah, he was. That's true. Yeah, I was watching something about him recently. He was crazy. But wait, we were going to say something. About your memory improving? <laughs> no. Mark, were you going to chime in? I'm chiming, Mark. What were you we talking about, Ray?
3: Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this. (laughs) Oscar, go. (laughs) Uh, I do think it's important to distinguish, and maybe I I prepared incorrectly, are we talking about God being judge over all creation, or are we talking about the judgment seat of Christ? We're talking about
1: about the great white throne judgment, uh, and in general, God is judge, and we're talking about the the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat.
3: Yes, And so I think it's important to distinguish those two because yeah, yeah. Uh, it is a different kind of thing, right? So yeah, easy. <laughs> please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're jumping dude. ahead, but yeah. that's okay. Oh, okay. Please yeah. do distinguish the two. <laughs> I will distinguish the two. Uh, and we can still talk about the judgment of God. The first thing is, is that God is a judge. He is a good and perfect and true judge. And you're absolutely right. People want to deny that reality, but to deny that God is judge is to deny that God is also good, that goodness prevails because what god being a judge first and foremost means is that nobody will ultimately get away with murder that yeah. any the worst thing that's ever happened to you or a loved one and that person got away scot clean whether it's you know murder or rape or theft or uh, any anything just awful and atrocious the promise uh, especially to the oppressed Jews in Israel was that god is judge they celebrated that reality. Yes. The problem comes with all of us when we realize that we are under judgment, that we are also going to be judged for lying and stealing and thieving and blasphemy and ultimately creating false false gods and putting them before the one true God. And so yeah. we all want God to be judged. We just don't want to be judged by God. Yeah,
1: no, it's so true. And, and Mark, I, I want to I ask you this. Wouldn't you say that it sounds almost oxymoronic. I like that yeah, word, Oscar. Yeah, oxymoronic. One. Wouldn't you say that there should be an element about judgment that delights the Christian?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that, absolutely, right? I mean, I think Oscar hit it, right? We, we delight in people getting justice when they do us wrong. Mm. In fact, th- this is one of the points, easy that we bring up when we talk about the great white throne When non-Christians are going to be judged. People say, well, how can you be joyful or happy in heaven when you see your loved ones being punished, uh, being thrown into outer darkness? And there comes a place where we say, just and true are your judgments, O Lord, Mm -hmm. where we are one accord with God and we delight in what He delights. Ultimately, whatever... Whatever He does is just and true. Yeah. And so as much as we would hate to see our loved ones departing from us, we want God's will ultimately done because he's, He is right. And there is a place. Matthew Henry says, he relates the two of God wiping away every tear in our eyes at that moment when we see loved ones being pulled away and uh, thrown into hell. Wow. Where we have like that last if you would moment. I, I mean, I don't know. I just found it interesting that he would bring that out. Yeah. You know, but yeah, we, we, we delight in justice. We delight in the judgment, especially when it's other people, right. you know, against us when they've done us wrong.
1: And that concept, I think is just so foreign to the world because like what Oscar said and what you alluded to, yeah, it, there's always that association with, hey, Right, and we use it. We hear it used in, in the modern vernacular. Don't judge me, or don't be judgmental. I mean, that's such yeah. a highlighted thing constantly right. by the world. And yeah. so, to assume that of God, no, God would never judge me. And, and there are people who have said that God doesn't judge people. It's like total disconnect from reality but but in connection with that delight like i said i mean listen to to this this is a 24 elders in heaven worshiping god in the light Ooh, of revelation 21
3: Revelation, judgment. 21? Uh, revelation
1: this one's 11 15 to 18 That's I meant says
3: third there, I guess.
1: <laughs> then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of this world have become the kingdoms of our lord And of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. Wow. And the time of the dead that they should be judged. And that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. They're worshiping God in the light of his judgment, Mm -hmm. thanking him and praising him. And and, and again, Mark, I love what you said. It's everything about our God should delight us because he is true and he's holy and he's righteous.
0: I like what you asked. Should we delight in the judgment of God? And it's foreign to human beings to delight in judgment day. But if you read Psalm 98, verse uh, 7 through to 9, hmm. Let the sea roar and all the fullness, and the world and they that dwell in, the, river, let the let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord for his coming, to judge the earth with righteousness, surely judge the people, and the people with equity. And the way to reconcile is a little story I've got in the old west, a lawless town where people are raped and murdered every day. So the good people of the town get together and get 12 sharpshooters, U.S. Marshals, to come to the town to clean it up. Who's going to rejoice that the judge or the the Marshals are going to come to the town to clean it up? It's the good people of the town. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be fearful? It's the criminals. And we're fearful of Judgment Day because of our guilt. But the Bible uses personification and says the trees clap their hands, the mountains break forth into singing because he's coming to judge the earth and righteousness. And you just have to think of what Hitler did in murdering rapists and people that have tortured other people. We should rejoice. There's going to be a day of judgment, but God's so thorough. Jesus said God's judgment will grind to powder. Powerful scripture, but when you grind something to powder, you Mm. do a thorough job. There's nothing left. And God says, he warns he's going to judge right down to the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that's, that's why we need Jesus to save us from wrath, wow. to shelter in the rock from God's goodness.
3: You know, I would, I would, if I was explaining it to a non-believer, if someone was be, would be listening and, and just having a hard time wrapping their heads around the idea that you would collectively with a group of people be celebrating the judgment that you'd be witnessing in that situation, I would say that you probably already know what this is actually like. The best example, and it's a very human low example, but the best example that I can think of is the day we all found out as Americans, of course, American context, that Osama bin Laden had died, Mm. right? There was a judgment that was placed and Americans rejoiced, were relieved because his his, t- his uh, plans to disrupt our daily living, to destroy our American democracy and our freedom, the things that he had already done for him to be judged and to die, we all recognize like a time has come where the reign, let's call it, of Osama bin Laden, the torture, the torment of him being alive after everything that he did to us on 9-11, that all came to an end. And we celebrated that justice was served. And in that same kind of way there, when we see God in his final judgment towards the world, we are going to celebrate because death is going to be judged because sin and evilness will be judged and will be put to death once and for all. And if you're forgiven by the grace of God, that judgment has already been placed on your behalf on Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so you get to celebrate the final judgment of God. Uh, You know, when I'm on the college campuses
2: and I try to reason with the students concerning judgment, I will, by way of raising of the hands, I take a poll. How many people would like to see God get rid of all the rapists and sex traffickers (laughs) and murderers in the world? Right. You know, let me just see, and then I raise the hands. And when people don't raise their hands, I go, you're not raising your hands. (laughs) You know, so you don't care about those things, right? And there's people that just don't want to participate, obviously. But I say, how many people would like to see that? You know, and a lot of hands go up. And then I'll say, well, how many people would like to see God get rid of all liars whoa, and thieves, <laughs> right? And those who uh, perhaps have cheated on a test and taken answers that belong to somebody else or cheated on their taxes.
3: You just get crickets.
2: Right. <laughs> and that's what happens, <laughs> right? Because our idea of who God should judge yep. is actually very, very low. Our standard is low. But when we start talking about God and who God should judge according to God's uh, viewpoint... It's very serious. I mean, every idle word a man speaks, he'll have to give an account thereof on the day of judgment. So God will make sure that he judges everybody that lives contrary to the inner light that he's given to every man, woman, and child. Yeah. Well, here's a
1: passage from which we get the white throne judgment type truth.
3: Is it Revelation 20?
1: Yeah, now you got it. Revelation 20, verse 11, 15. Uh, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was a found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is a book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Whew. That, that's uh, man, th- that is such a sobering thought. You know, yeah. I listened to Stephen Lawson preach a message on the, ju- the great white throne judgment. And it made me wanna get born again all over again. You know? <laughs> We're Just, praying for you. Yeah, please. I mean, that thought and that concept that he said something that jarred me, the thought of there will not be a single drop of mercy whew, at the great white throne judgment of God. No. Not, not a drop of mercy. I mean, there is no, there is no litigating, no debating, mm. no pleading, no begging. This is the point in which God will completely unleash the fullness of his wrath and the judgment that he distributes. It's like
0: slamming the door of grace. It's all over. Oh, wow. yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, sometimes I think of people who used to profess Christ at one time and are now living in blatant hedonistic sin, unlike anything uh, that, that I think some people can even imagine. And I just think, don't they ever stop and think, whoa, like, what if I do really stand before the judgment seat of the great white throne judgment? What if I do give account? What if I die tomorrow in the midst of their sin? And, or, you know, or when an earthquake hits or when some kind of calamity happens. Doesn't that make them tremble? The thought of God's great white throne judgment? I had a guy the other day, he so. said, I
0: don't mind going to hell. And I, I reasoned with him with a dumb analogy. I just said, we've just had temperatures over 100 degrees in California. Did hmm. you enjoy that? And it just got through to him. That's such a stupid thing that he just didn't like it being up a couple of, you know, 10 or 15 (laughs) degrees in California, made him think about the horrors of hell.
1: Yeah. It's terrifying. Uh, Why do you guys think people continue living in that rebellion when they say, oh yeah, I believe, I believe that God's real and there's a coming day of judgment?
0: I think it's idolatry. Explain. The the image of God is erroneous. They don't see him as being uh, a consuming fire. They don't see him as the one that revealed himself to Moses and said, you can't stand in front of my goodness and live. My goodness would kill you. And that's why God put Moses in the cleft of the rock. God's goodness would kill him. It's like a heinous criminal that's murdered a number of little girls, raped them, and, and then cut their throats. What sort of judge would be passive? The judge that had a guy like stand in front of him would be furious and bring down his gavel with wrath. Right. And if he isn't angry, there's something wrong with that judge. He should be removed. And His wrath is evidence of His goodness. And God's wrath against sin is evidence of His goodness. And you and I as sinners couldn't stand in the very presence of the goodness and the holiness of God because it would spill over like grease lighting and kill us. Wow. When you get a revelation of God's character and nature, that produces the fear of God. And then you don't mock Hmm. the fact of judgment day. You tremble. Paul said, Wherefore, knowing the terror of the Lord we persuade men, we should be warning every man. That's why this dumb modern gospel is so stupid. You yeah. know, God has a wonderful plan for your life, God shaped vacuum, and he'll take away your problems. That's nothing to do with the Jesus that saves us from wrath.
1: Amen. Ray, can you you've done it before, but could you could you please quote Spurgeon that quote that hit you when he yes. talked about the church?
0: Yeah, and, of God. and I'd like to quote an old sermon, if you remind me in a few minutes about our music teacher that was deaf. What's that? Yeah. You know, what would you? What will you do when the law comes in terror? When the trumpet of the archangel shall tear you from your grave? When the eyes of God shall burn their way into your guilty soul? When the book shall be opened and all your sin and shame shall be punished? Can you stand against an angry law in that day?
1: Oh man! man. I wish preachers. Would you know, I like don't that. know
0: if I told you, I was sitting in a plane with a guy I'd been witnessing to, and I had that quote written out in my Bible. It was typed out. Yeah. Handed it to him and let him read it for himself, and he went red. In the face as he read it, wow. it just sent his heart beat up, which it should. We should be terrified. Yeah, still. I mean,
1: imagine we, we've talked about Jonathan Edwards on here before, but imagine, yeah, hearing what he preached and sinners in the hands of an angry God. <laughs> you know, and the, the weight of that. In his high
3: pitched voice. <laughs> right. <laughs> what? Uh, what's the deaf uh, musician? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's
0: it's a couple of minutes, but uh, it, it's worth it because it, it's relevant to what we're talking about today. But when I was in high school, we had a teacher that was somewhat deaf. He was our music teacher, which was kind of sad. And during music lessons, our guy... Yeah, it's actually gu- to
3: his benefit, probably. Yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> Don't destroy it, Oscar. Um, the guy the guy was um, partly deaf, and he'd take the guys off for music lessons, the girls would do uh, cooking, and he'd put his back to us and begin playing the piano. And behind him was absolute chaos, because he didn't know what was going on. He thought we were listening to Bach and Beethoven, etc. But there was paper planes, guys fighting, and I looked up the front of the, the hall, and I saw a guy who was being pulled under the pew in front of him, a guy had ducked down, grabbed his foot and began pulling. And I thought, that's no good. So I went up and I grabbed that guy's leg and began pulling his leg when some clown with a firm grabbed my leg and began pulling. So we had this chain of leg pullers. And so I had one free foot. So I thought, I'll kick this guy around the face and make him let go. So I did a good kick and looked around and saw it was a principal who'd come in to see what was going on. He'd heard the noise. And he said, get to my office, the three of you. So we went to his office and we didn't say a word to each other. We had to wait for 10 minutes for him to arrive. Six 100 seconds and he came in he got a piece of cane three feet long from behind the door And he gave us two strong wallops in the area designed for that particular purpose (laughs) But that 600 seconds the pain of waiting for the cane was just about as bad as the pain from the cane when it came. (laughs) It was horrifying knowing that we were guilty and knowing that wrath was to come. And I say this with all sobriety I can muster. I'd rather receive receive a thousand canes a day by the right hand of a most robust football player than be in my sins on judgment day. It is a fearful thing Hmm. to fall into the hands of the living God, knowing that he's going to manifest all your secret sins. You know, the ones you didn't even tell your friends about, you know, the ones that that got into into the heart, those sexual imaginations. God has seen, and every time we sin, we store up His wrath, like we do in a freeway chase. You see a guy being right. chased by the police, and he goes through those red lights again, goes through the stop signal, and the guy that's commentating says, oh, "He's making it worse for himself every time he violates the law."
1: So is the sinner. Wow.
0: Man, that's
3: really good, Ray. As much as we run from God, we just pile up. The wrath that is to come.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, storing up wrath, that, that, that's a terrifying reality when you think about it. It's adding up. And, and look, God's Word doesn't shy away from talking about uh, God's judgment. I mean, Paul did that. Acts 17 30 through 31, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness. And then... Uh, you know, I think, again, Hebrews nine twenty seven. Ray, you always, you always quote this, and is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment.
0: Yeah, it's an appointment. It's a summons. When you get a summons from the court, you just don't ignore that summons. If you do, you're under wrath. It's very, very serious to get a summons and not show up. And death is a summons. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an arresting officer. that's going to drag us before the judge of the universe and answer for violating his law.
1: Does this kind of coincide, Ray, with the thing you often talk about, about fear being a good thing?
0: Fear is a wonderful thing. It makes you put on a parachute. It makes you put on a seatbelt. It makes you step back from a thousand foot cliff. It makes you not go near alligators and things like that. Fear is your friend in that respect, not an enemy. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. If you don't fear God, you're not beginning to get wise. And the scriptures say the fear of the Lord causes men to depart from evil. We so love our sins. We drink and We like water. Our eyes are full of adultery and will not let go of those beloved sins unless we see there's danger in front of us. Mm. And the fear of God gives us that danger. The scriptures warn of the ungodly, they have no fear of God before their eyes. That is their eyes just go without any fear, right to the alligator's mouth, Mm. right over that thousand foot cliff but when you get the fear of god it causes you to depart from evil you let it go because mm. you know what's good for you
1: you know mark uh, i was i was thinking about the thoroughness of god in judgment matthew 12:36 but i say to you for every idle word men may speak they will give account of it in the day of judgment do you think that it, it's man Foisting on God. Foisting? Foisting? You like that word? Foisting? Earlier, what did I say? Foibles? Foibles. I'm in the the oi words today. No, you didn't say it. You prayed foibles. I've never heard anyone use foibles in prayer. (laughs) Hey, you know, you got to get eloquent in prayer sometimes. That's (laughs) unbiblical, actually, isn't it? For your many words. Um, (laughs) uh Uh-oh, foibles? No, I wouldn't wouldn't boast about foibles. (laughs) (laughs) Where was I now? Here uh, comes the judgment on easy. Foist? Do you think it's because, man sort of foists on God. Um, Define that. It's <laughs> like, like someone from New York, like on oh, foist. You don't know what the word foist means? It like to put upon, basically. Okay. On God. You hear it here, foist. You heard foist. I'm never gonna get through this question. Because man basically... Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> puts on God, his, his perspective of what he must be like because of his his perspective of man. You know, oh, that grandpa in the sky, he won't remember everything. Or, you know, they, they take it from a dad who just kind of forgets what his kid did or whatever. Every idle word that a man speak, the thoroughness of God in judgment. Like words like foist. Yeah,
0: foist. Yeah,
2: listen, God has a great memory, uh, but he does not need to pull from anything because he knows everything. He is omniscient, uh, scripture says. He knows everything all at the same time and in the same way, because he is God. Every person will one day uh, stand before God and give an account. And there's different views concerning the coming judgments, but regardless, we need to keep the main things the plain things, right? We never lose sight of the facts concerning the coming judgment of this one who is omniscient and is going to judge the world correctly. Let me give you five quick uh, points here. Number one, Jesus Christ will be the judge. He is the one, right? Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, believer and non-believer alike. Number two, all unbelievers will be judged by Christ, and they will be punished according to the works that they've done. And this is what we've read, and this is what you just quoted, Easy, every idle word. So everything done in darkness is going to come out on that judgment day, and you're not going to try to give a defense because uh, the case has been decided. Yeah. Your name is either written in the Lamb's Book of Life or it's not. Third, unbelievers are storing up for themselves wrath that will be revealed. Everything, everything that they have ever done, that, that is a crazy, crazy thought when you begin to think about it. I mean, try to go throughout your day and keep a record of everything where your mind wanders from the things of Christ. Right, but R.C. Sproul said even those good moments where you think you're doing amazing is still falling short of the perfection of God. So we can't even keep complete record. Right. Next, God will give to each person according to what He has done. Number five, believers will also be judged by Christ, but since Christ's righteousness has been imputed to us and our names are written in the book of life, we will be rewarded. So imagine that, if you would, that our sins are taken away from us as far as the East is from the West, and we are rewarded because of what Christ has done, and this is where the motive for our actions come out. George Mueller said, when the day of recompense comes, our only regret will be that we have done so little for him, not that we have done too much, because it's not possible to do enough. But it's not about our actions, it's about his action, and now we react to his action out of gratefulness. That's good.
0: I would have liked to have been there when Paul reasoned with Felix. Oh, yeah. Of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Yes. And Felix trembled. Yeah. I mean, we don't, know, we don't even know. It might have just been a quivering lip. You yeah. know, it's, you can't really see a tremble, but scriptures tell us. he trembles, which shows the place of fear. Within those that hear the gospel, they should fear, they should tremble at the thought of uh, sinning against God so they'll flee from wrath and not just experimentally ask Jesus into their heart.
1: Amen. All right, so that was the great white throne judgment. Now we want to talk about the judgment seat of Christ. And we see this mentioned explicitly in two places, implied in the third, but it, it's what it's talking about. So 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And then Second Corinthians 5, uh, wait, that's the same verse.
0: No, no, will just say it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nobody's listening to you, anyway. Um, I, oh uh, wait, where is it? No, I lost the other one. Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll find it. It's, it's, it's in Romans. I Mumble it. Mumble it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then First Corinthians three eleven to fifteen. For no fe- no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's works will become clear for the day will declare it, but it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. So the whole concept of the judgment seat of christ is distinct from the great white throne judgment because the the judgment seat of christ is for the believer it's a time when according here to first corinthians 3 we're going to give account and we will have had the opportunity to have received certain rewards that we will have forfeited depending on how we conducted ourselves so oscar this is the time for you to jump in uh you were going to talk about that earlier I got nothing. The definition.
3: <laughs> uh, no, I, th- I think you just hit it on the head. There's two different kinds of judgments. In one sense, as as a believer, we while we should still fear the Lord, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We do not fear being condemned by God, uh, because we have we have been born again through the work of Jesus Christ, and we can live with confidence as born again believers that God will not leave us or forsake us. However. There is the Bema seat, uh, the judgment seat of God in the sense that, as you just alluded to, there is a moment where Jesus will take a survey of what we d- have done with our time, our talent, and our treasure And accordingly, according to what we have done with the gift of grace that he has given us, there is a kind of judgment that happens. There is a reward that we will receive in heaven. And this is also something that makes Christians feel very uncomfortable. Ray, why do you think Christians feel uncomfortable at the idea that there's some sort of heavenly reward that we will be judged for?
0: If I was stupid, I'd say I don't want a reward. But, you know, I, I feel like that. I'm just a, an unprofitable servant. But the goodness of God is the goodness of God. He He wants to bless his children. It's father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And it's more blessed to give and receive. And God wants to bless. And so, um, I don't know. I never say no to a gift from God. I mean, if it's just a little puppy, I'd be kind of excited. But, you know, yeah, that kind of okay. sounds dumb. Yeah, I, I'm embarrassed by it, to be quite honest.
1: Yeah. Uh, before you jump in, Mark, that verse was uh, Romans 14, uh, 10. Yes. Which says, uh, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Go ahead, Mark.
2: Let me, let me illustrate this, uh, if, if I may. Mark, could you illustrate it, first? Yeah, Mark, you. And uh, it for us? Yeah, thank you. I'm going to use the Lakers to do we go. so.
1: Okay, please illustrate it.
2: Uh, you know, everybody, every Christian in heaven is going to be happy, mm. right? I mean, we, we just are. And when we start talking about rewards and awards, and it blows my mind. I mean, how do we fully begin to understand the work that Christ did through us, and then we become we get rewarded for that. So let me illustrate it by this. I was uh, living in Norwalk several years ago, and I remember my daughter Eden was inside the kitchen, and she had a wooden spoon, and she was hitting a pot, and she was making just a ruckus. And I'm in the other room with my wife and with Noah, and we're watching the Lakers, right? God's basketball team, obviously. (laughs) And I said over to my son, Noah, I said, hey Noah, why don't you go inside the kitchen and entertain your sister, Eden? And he goes, dad, what do you mean? Go play with pots and pans with a wooden spoon? But he did. He went inside there, he had his wooden spoon, he starts hitting the pot and pan, and he goes, dad, having a great time in here, I don't know about out there. (laughs) But this is a picture of heaven for the believer to some degree. Think about it like this, and this is what I mean. Eden could not have a capacity to enjoy anything greater because she was so little being just about 1 years old. She yeah. had a wooden spoon, she had a pot, she was making noise, making a ruckus. You look at her, she's smiling from ear to ear. Noah because he's more mature can actually enjoy watching the Lakers play. Eden it would go right over her head. Mm. Mom and dad have walked with God for many years now, and mom and dad are able to do things that Noah had never experienced up until that point. He's now married, able to experience those things, but he, at that time, I could try to explain it to him, but it'd go over his head. Right. There's maturity level that has happened. That's good. All three of us can be filled with joy and excitement based upon our mature level, where we're at up until that point. When we get to heaven, everybody is going to be excited. Everybody will be able to enjoy Christ, but by the basis by which you surrendered to Christ and allowed him to live his life through you will be the basis by which you're able to enjoy him to the varying degrees. That's good. Some will be playing with pots and pans, and they won't. even, <laughs> no, what's that? Sounds good to me. <laughs> be play, in the corner of
1: heaven. right.
2: So, there's that idea, right? So, people, some people will be playing with like pots and pans, but they won't even realize it because they are at that apex yeah. of their capability based upon maturity and what Christ has done through them.
3: That's good. Let me, let me add to that by saying also, I think the way this affects us is it should cause us to question why we pursue good works. And that's 1 Corinthians, right? Like if we work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone, anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Look, what is my aim to do good works? Is it to the praise of man? Is it to lift up my own kingdom to be recognized as a great Christian? Then my aim to do good works is right now. And my reward is right now. And I would say that that reward is going to be burned up. I will not be burned up, right, yeah. but that's not an eternal reward. On the other hand, if I have a heavenly aim for the glory of God is why I do what I do to receive the idea of him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. If that is my aim, then I am storing up heavenly reward. So see, it it causes me to search my heart to determine my motivation for pursuing Christ in this life. I could either receive my praise now or I can receive a future praise. And then to add what you said, Mark, and I love it. There's another aspect in the sense that in heaven, there is no envy, there is no jealousy, there is no remorse on missing out. And so there's a lot of questions about what this reward will look like. But one thing we know for certain is that not having it will not make us envious. And I love the way Sam Storms in One Thing says it. He says, hardly anything will bring you more joy in heaven than to see other saints with greater rewards than you, experiencing greater glory than you, given greater authority than you. There will be no jealousy or pride to fill your unhealthy competitiveness. There will be no greed to energize your race to get more than anyone else. You will then delight only in delighting in the delight of others. Hmm. Their achievement will be your greatest joy. Their success will be your highest happiness. You will truly rejoice with those who rejoice. Envy comes from lack, but in heaven, there is no lack. Whatever you need, you get. Whatever desires may arise, they're satisfied.
1: Wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah, I love that. And yet we are here now in the time and place where we can affect That capacity and the analogies that have been given—it's like, hey, everyone will be worshiping God to the fullness. But what is your measure of capacity? It's like you can either either have a thimble full of capacity or a. Olympic-sized swimming pool or an ocean full of capacity. And, and so there is impact. And whatever Christ has for us, like you were saying, Ray, we should want. And it is gonna have an impact in eternity. But I love the balance, Oscar, though it's important for us to think we're not gonna be there being like, oh, man. But we should know with the knowledge we have now that we want to serve God faithfully. Mm. Uh, and we do it out of love. It's not to get those things. Those things are connected to Him. They're connected to the giver. There's an element of beauty in that love that God wants to dispense to us, you know, as his people. And friends, just remember, you know, as we wrap up that that there is no judgment by way of condemnation for the believer. Scripture makes that clear. I mean, Jesus said uh, in John five twenty four that you shall not come into judgment, but have passed from death to life. Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, and so it, it's important to remember that. And Ray, I, I just want to close out by asking you, what are you most looking forward to when you cross over the threshold of time into eternity?
0: I'm glorified chocolate.
1: (laughs) Your glorified body, right? Six foot six six with a hairy hairy chest. (laughs) Said in (laughs) harmony. Well, friends, there you have it. Another a wonderful time of talking about God and His Word. We can't put into words how delighted we are to have you all along for the journey. Uh, It means more to us than words could express. So thank you for that. If you have any thoughts, any uh, questions, any comments, any ideas for podcasts, remember podcast at livingwaters.com. Give us a rating. Guys, listen, by God's grace and your faithful listening, we're now one of the top podcasts in the world. Hard to believe, but yes, it has happened. So thank you so much. Remember the tough questions course and the evidence bible at livingwaters.com and uh we'll see you here next time on the living waters podcast where we have no idea what we're doing (laughs) 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 your new sign-off friends Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters
2: podcast.
1: We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline. California, Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina, Andrea from Anderson, Indiana, Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania, Lowell from Yakima, Washington, Don from Charleston, Illinois, John from Ford, Australia, good on you, mate, and Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.